Welcome back to another episode of Sweat and Bullets, a fantasy football podcast. I am your host, DFP Encounter. With me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson at Jacob Sanderson on Twitter. I almost said jacobsanderson.com. That would have been really awkward. You don't have a website like that, do you? I don't. I don't have a website. Maybe consider making one. jacobsandersonfantasyfootball.com. You may see a website from me soon, actually, no spoilers. But if it is, it will not be called jacobsanderson.com. You should, I mean, like, you you had a jumbled mess of letters as your Twitter handle. Then you, like, concocted every ounce of creativity you could to come up with at Jacob Sanderson. So I would expect nothing less than jacobsanderson.com. If I launch a fantasy football website, uh, it will be named after my column. It will be thinking about thinking dot something dot com. <laughs> All right. So we're back. We haven't been back for a while. It's good to be back. I'm excited to be back. What do you want to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about um, the position that drives NFL team success the most. Um, kicker. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Uh, we're, like I, I put out Drew does the difficult work of putting out ranks for every position, um, and I, I don't. I, I've resisted to putting out ranks for any position actually uh, since joining the Bulford Discord. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to actually put out ranks for for one position, which is the running back position. Um, so you can get those exclusively in the Bulletproof Patreon. There's no other place right now on the planet of Earth to get my dynasty running back rankings. And what I then did is I looked at Drew's rankings for all positions because he's watered down. So he puts a lot less time into these takes, right? So his, he his half-baked running back rankings watered down by wide receiver takes and quarterback takes. And I looked at it and saw, you know, okay, who are the guys that I like a lot more than Drew or the guys that Drew likes a lot more than me? Who are the guys that were both under the market on, both over the market on? And we're not going to get to all the players because, you know, like we got to save some of the goods, right? These are these are paywall rankings, right? So if you want the full ranks, come on over to the Bulletproof Patreon, check them out. But before we get into the individual, time out there for a second. There's there's this people tell me this frequently enough that I've taken note of it on Twitter. Yeah, that I quote unquote save all the good stuff for the paywall. Oh, yeah, I absolutely save all the good stuff for the paywall. I don't know why that's a surprise <laughs> to anyone. Of course they do. Right, that's that's a funny criticism. That you, it's like, yeah, I, I actually, I provide more value to my paying customers than <laughs> random people on Twitter. That, that's a fair, it's a, it's a fair take. It's a fair uh, criticism. But like, we'll take that yeah, one. But here's the thing: we're not we're not saving all the content for the paywall tonight. We're saving some of no, the content for the paywall. Tonight. We're it. giving you the rest of the content. Um, before we get into the specific players, why don't we do this? Why don't why don't we just quickly discuss how we do rankings? Because I would say that we both do rankings. In, in some ways similar, maybe some differences, but certainly both of these rankings are not the typical one through 50, you know, ranking that you're going to see on Fantasy Pros, for, for instance. <laughs> for instance. For instance. Yes. Yeah, no, so like my rankings are, um, I think it was last year, the year before, I switched from linear rankings and tiered rankings to this new system that I don't really think anybody else is even considered using. Uh, basically what I do is I cluster all the players based on what I think their projected range of outcomes is. So for instance, I have a range that's like the superstar range. Uh, in fact, I just gave it a new name, which I've already forgotten. I renamed all of them so that they all make more sense now. And, uh, basically what it means is that I think the players are, they have like a, like an elite floor. Like these are players that I, I can't really see 
being anything other than like a top five running back, for instance. And then I have another tier where I'm like, ah, I can see this guy like hitting hitting that huge ceiling, but I think his floor is a little lower. And then I have another range where it's like, well, I, I don't really have a strong uh, a strong suspicion of which way this is going to go. I think he can boom or bust. Like the, basically, that's what the tier is. Then I have another one where I have like, oh, he's pretty low ceiling. Like he's got a high floor. He's going to be, he's a good football player, but he's just probably not going to smash in fantasy. I put Josh Jacobs in that tier last year, which turned out to be really, really wise. Uh, you're welcome, patrons. Uh, nailed it for you. And, and then like we have like, like other tier basically. And I think there might be another one. I can't remember. There's so many, there's like six or seven tiers, I think five. Six, uh, there's a lot of tiers. Anyways, they're not truly tiers. They're clusters and they're based around, like I said, the projected range of outcomes, because when you are looking at linear rankings, you, your, your brain tends to think of things in a way of player one is better than player two and player two is better than player three and player three is better than player four. And you trick yourself into thinking that player one is one spot better than player two and player two is one spot better than player three. And then you try to use tiers to try to like say, well, actually these guys are all kind of the same, but nobody thinks about it that way. Like I have so many questions about when I used to do them that way, you know, why don't we like this player better than that player? And I'm like, well, I, I honestly like them the same. They're in the same tier. And then they're like, but he's like ranked six spots, a little consensus. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I like them all in the same tier. They're the same. They're all the same. And that's why I just kind of went away from it. It was just not very effective at communicating what I actually felt about the players. So I use this clustering uh, philosophy. And uh, and then, yeah, that's pretty much how it works. Yeah, so I, I do stuff um, similar in a sense that um, I agree with not just the tiering idea, but the clustering idea in terms of, you know, it's not just about providing the preference value of trying to articulate how you prefer a certain player, but I think also the descriptive value of why, right? A great example of this being, I had a friend text me uh, today being like, who do you prefer, uh, Travis Etienne or Austin Eckler? And what you'll find is if you go to my uh, ranks and you join the Patreon group, you'll find that they're in the same tier. And my answer as to who I would prefer would be, it depends, right? <laughs> my answer is, it depends. There are circumstances in which I would definitely prefer Travis Etienne and cer definitely circumstances in which I prefer Austin Eckler. And the reality is, is, you know, how much of your value do you want to be tied to the short term? How important is it if if you're not if you're all in on competing next year? Next year is a big part of your window, I, and you're saying, yeah, I'm not particularly certain Travis Etienne is going to gain a lot more value in the passing game. I'd rather just bank on the guy who I can project to score in the 20 points per game range next year versus the guy who probably at a median is going to be closer to 15 to 17. That's reasonable to me. Uh, if you're taking a longer view based on your team construction and you're saying, yeah, I'd rather bet on the upside of Travis Etienne gaining more value in the passing game than I have an out to actually sustaining that value for a longer period of time. That's reasonable to me. So I try to articulate, you know, not just the tier of how I value them, but also I want to try and articulate like, here's why I value the certain player or why I don't so that you can adjust your roster accordingly. And also so that if you kind of don't agree with any portion of my process, you can still derive value from my rankings, right? If I put a certain player at 22, that doesn't really tell you anything other than that I prefer them at 22. It doesn't really tell you why, you know, certain players, certain dynasty players, dynasty analysts are going to value the projection more. Some are going to value youth more. Some are going to look more at the projectable upside. Some are going to look more at the contingent upside. So what I wound up doing is I have a four tiered system 
uh, or, or a four-factor system, which I look in one spot, the production classification. What do I reasonably project this player to score? You know, the contingent value classification. What's this player's upside if everything falls right for them? The asset class in terms of is this a core player? So the type of asset that we want to invest in over time or more of a speculative asset, right, that we think uh, is really fragile to situational change. And then, you know, lastly, we bring in that age modifier. So we combine all these things. I give each player a score in each of those categories, and then we put them into the different tiers. And I tier all my rankings according to what I call base firsts. So a base one is my terminology for classifying player value and sort of a universal currency. And it's different than a late one and it's different than a mid one in the sense that how I would define a base one is a first round pick and you have nothing else about it other than that it's a first round pick. So it's equally likely to fall in any individual slot between one and 12. And to me, that makes it more valuable actually than a mid first round pick because there's just a way bigger difference between picking at one and six versus seven and 12, right? So that's try, tends to be the way that I try to classify them. And we go from there. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the systems. Um, I think that honestly, like, I think honestly, ranks suck, right? <laughs> just in general, like, if you just like, you don't derive much from them, like, because you, you're you're usually going to be picking up just the little tiny summary of whatever a person's process is in creating those ranks, um, unless they don't have a process at all, in which case you are picking up everything, and in which case that that that, that suck anyway. You shouldn't listen to those people's ranks. Um, I think what both of our ranks try to communicate is a little bit more of the why which has uh, a little bit more value to it, in my opinion, where you can actually look at the ranks and get something out of it, you know, beyond just the number value. So that's a little plug. Um, but now let's let's break in um, some of these guys. So we're each going to select, I have like a list of, you know, a handful of guys in each of these categories in terms of Drew being higher on them than me, me being higher on them than Drew, both under, both over market. Um, we're going to pick sort of one each in each category that we want to talk about. Um, so this is not an exhaustive list, but Drew, why don't you go first? Who's a guy that you are higher on than I am uh, and that you're, you're really outraged that I hate this player. Well, I think that the, sorry, a player that I am higher on than you, is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm outraged that you are wrong about how good the player is. Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I am one of the losers and haters, of which there are many. Yeah. So I think the guy I'm going to pick is actually someone that I, I don't particularly think is awesome. So it's kind of a kind of an interesting choice, I would say. But the guy I'm going to pick is Cam Akers, and I'm a little astonished that you would be this low on Cam Akers because Cam Akers is not expensive. He's RB twenty eight on Fantasy Calc right now roughly a what is that like a i think that's a second round pick mid second round pick value or base second round pick value or early yeah i think he's i think he's up to an early second round pick there and i have him i have him ranked for reference at rb 35 uh and i have that as being worth uh a one quarter base one which i have as a late two slash early three valuation on cam acres on on Cam Akers. We confirm we're talking about the same player here. Cam talking Akers. About, we were talking about Cam Akers. A player they've gone back to time and time again late in the season to just belt out his way to stardom for so, four weeks in the playoffs. Why don't we why don't we start? Why don't you read your blurb first from the site? 
I'll read my blurb. I don't even have my blurb. Oh, well, I'll read mine first. I, I say that Akers has played the best football of his career over the last month of 2022 and has a shot to lead this backfield in 2023. However, I'm still judging his talent based on the larger sample for now, which is why he's below the tier six racks in these rankings. Those backs being Isaiah Pacheco, AJ Dillon, and Khalil Herbert. So, all right. Well, that, that is that is completely wrong, and I, I'm I'm embarrassed to have you besmirching the good name of sweating bullets with that kind of analysis. Uh, so what, what I said was, uh, I find myself looking at Cam Akers right now and thinking, but why not Cam Akers? And that is kind of asking a lot from the dude, but he's also being priced at RB28 and Dynasty right now and is currently projected for lead dog role on a team that is only one year removed from the Super Bowl, which a typo there. It actually says Teh, Super Bowl. I apologize to the masses. Uh, and that was able to field one of the best offenses in all of football. When I say things like, it's all upside from here, Cam Akers is exactly the type of bet I'm talking about because it is literally all upside from here. If Cam Akers just holds his role, not, not even like is good, he didn't like he didn't not even talking about him being good at football, just like being the lead dog in the in the offense, he's gonna outproduce his ADP. If he holds his like super bell cow role and is actually kind of good at football, he's gonna smash his ADP. So I just don't really see why we wouldn't want to buy in on that. We're now two years removed from the Achilles tendon tear, which uh, I don't know, like basically everyone dies after they tear the Achilles tendon. It, it is literally like, you know, Greece 3,000 years ago or whenever the poor guy had his uh, Achilles struck with a with an arrow. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to just take a swing on this. Like there's, there's absolutely, like if you, if you, Light your RB28 on fire in your fantasy football league. It's not a big deal. It's just really not. And you don't have to hope that he doesn't get it. Like, you don't have to hope that the guy in front of him gets hurt. You just have to hope that he's healthy. Like, that's all you have to hope for. That's it. That's the only thing. He's like Miles Sanders last year. It was just like, well, I hope that he's healthy. And then and then we're fine. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's my point. It, it's like Miles Sanders last year in terms of like Miles Sanders had this really good season and everybody's feeling great about Miles Sanders now. And like he's like worth about the same as he was before. Like his his best ball ADP last year was round eight. And then everybody spent the year being like, oh, my God, how do we let this guy fall to round eight? And then it's like you look at his ADP right now and it's round eight. Um, and it's kind of the same in Dynasty. He was like a guy who's worth a second round pick. And now he's a guy who's worth a second round pick um, because – he didn't really have that ceiling. He didn't really catch a whole lot of passes. He, he got a lot of rushing volume and he, he ran the occasional route and he was good. Like you, he helped your team. And look, anytime that you can, you know, buy a guy, net his production, and he essentially holds his value, that's like a win for a veteran, right? On average, a veteran loses value and and what you're paying in that value loss is the, is the production in the near term. So that's certainly a positive outcome. But I'm I'm not like sitting here, you know, crying about, not having Miles Sanders on any teams. And I think the question is like, does Cam Akers have a potential to be either a special as a football player or a special as a fantasy player? And I mean, like he played really good for a month this year. That's the only month really that he's played consistently well from a like football perspective. Like even dating back to his rookie year, he was not a particularly efficient running back. He got a lot of volume. Uh, that's fine. We don't really need rookie running backs to be particularly efficient historically. Uh, not gonna knock him a ton for that. But like really it took until those last four games for him to show much of anything um, as a high-level rusher. If you look over the course of his full season, he was still below average. And I don't really want to get too, too caught up into the splits game, even though I acknowledge that definitely coming off the injury, there's a possibility that 
you know, that really painted the picture of him getting way better. Larger concern is like, we've still never seen him in a NFL football game really have much of a receiving upside. He has one game in his career and it wasn't even a fantasy eligible game it was week 17 of his rookie year where he had four targets. Other than that, his career high is three targets in a single NFL game. So that's tough. Uh, and or at least regular season, maybe he beat that in the playoffs. I don't have his playoff stats in front of me, but that's, that's a top sell for me in terms of a guy that, you know, I view him similar to other running backs this cycle where he, they may hold their job. They may get a job. I don't know. They're very much on the running back roulette wheel in terms of being highly precarious starters. And of the ones that I want to invest in, I'd rather invest in the ones that I see as either being self-insulating in terms of their talent or having the receiving upside where if things hit, it's a guy I really want to bet on. And I see Cam Akers as neither. I think, you know, there's really two outcomes for me that are logical with this is that either they add a receiving running back to pair with cam Akers and be a change of pace guy or they just outright replace him um and both of those you know or they bring in like competition and they let the better man win whatever else but i i, I just i'd be really surprised if we're looking at a guy at this point in his career who's like a standout bell cow star and so at, a, at an early two type of price point I'm, I'm just not very interested and there's other guys that i'd rather bet on that i think are a little bit fresher more interesting how are you getting early two price tag like where where are you drawing it that it's an early two? Maybe uh, I, uh, I think I'm going mostly off of like KTC and like general market vibes. I mean, it's hard to get like an accurate oh, account of like exactly what the oh. market is for a guy. Um, right now, we have Cam Akers at on KTC at least. He's um, essentially an early two. He's like thirty six oh seven. Early two is like thirty seven. If you want to oh, say okay. mid two, that's fine. We can do mid two. He's well above a mid two on KTC. Oh, okay. Are doing early two. Yeah, I, I was going mid two and early two. Like I, I think he's probably fairly priced. I'm probably not like going out to try to acquire him for a mid two. I'm also probably not like super urgently trying to sell him at a mid two. I, you know, I think that's like where he should probably be valued. Um, but yeah, I was I was definitely looking at mid two and thinking. I want to sell, or I want to, I would sell my mid two to get cam makers and just like, let it yeah, run. I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, we're going to like, when I'm doing this, like in terms of the at cost, like it's always hard. Like I like a fantasy calc. I like at keep trade cut. I like at ADP and I try to like blend it together in my mind of like what I think the value is. Cause like there's weird ones on every site. Like if you look at, like you look at Ezekiel Elliott, for instance, he's like RB24 in fantasy calc. I promise you that's just not where he's going to go if you do a startup today. Like there's, right. And, and I'm not saying that to be like fantasy calc sucks. I think on net, it's probably better than most sites, but like, if you look at any one individual site, there's going to be just things where you're like, I don't think this passes the sniff test. Okay. So I've just looked up some recent trades. Because okay. I think let's do this. I love this. Yeah. Let's do uh, this for every, every one of these guys we talk about. I love that. So I'm, I'm, let me just read you the trades and, and then I'll take right. my, and so I'll, my new, my okay. new take. I'll, okay. Ready? Cam yeah. Akers for a 2023 first round pick. Obviously, I'm taking the first. Yeah. So am I. <laughs> yeah. Figured. Uh, Cam Akers and Curtis Samuel for Rashad Bateman. So Cam Akers for Rashad Bateman. <laughs> um, I will take Rashad yeah. Bateman, who I'm, notably, who I'm notably not a fan of. Yeah. Wow. See, I feel like I would probably just I, – I think I might take Akers there. Okay, that's fun. I like this. I like this. is, this is a good like Rashad, like, Okay, we're, we're going to go on topic well. now. That's fine. Into a new topic very very briefly, but I feel like if Rashad Bateman hits, he's he's like 
you know, he's going to be okay. He'll be like a, you know, wide receiver yeah. 15, like kind of right. ceiling is probably what I would think. Yeah. So like Cam Akers kind of, yeah. So like Cam Akers kind of, but I don't know. I feel like I have more faith that Cam Akers just has to get on the field and be fine. Whereas Rashad Bateman, I'm like, nah, I don't, like, I don't know. I think he's probably good. He should be good. Yeah, but I mean, I'm a little freaked out that they didn't give him any freaking playing time last year. Yeah, see, I'm pretty confident that Rashad Bateman's at least like good in like the he's good at football sense. Like, I'm I'm very not confident that like he's good in a sense that translates to being a meaningful fantasy player. But I, I would say yeah. that I'm I'm also not very confident about that for Cam Akers. But I'm less confident that he's good in the yeah. meaningless sense. Yeah, but I think the call maker call makers Cam Akers doesn't have to be good. I think that's the difference for me. Where I'm like. Rashad Bateman needs to be good. Cam Akers right. doesn't have to be good. He just has to be in the offense. And I'm the offense sure. I, I mean, he doesn't have to be good to be like usable. To, yeah. to be like to to be like a real difference maker, he probably has to be good. Or the well, very least, he has to catch a lot of passes. Like that's not his range of outcomes, right? Because like Cam, I mean, Cam Akers has to, Cam Akers to be a legitimate difference maker has to be really good because he's not going to be an eighty catch guy, right? He's not going to be like the Leonard Fournette. Oh, this guy sucks, but he catches a million passes guy. Like he's not going to be that. Like, no. At the most, he's going to be like a 40-catch guy. So to be a difference he's maker, be a, he's got to be good. He's going to be uh, James Conner two years ago. That's what he's going to be. He's going I mean, to James Conner caught a lot of passes. Not two years ago. James Conner, when he was, okay, James Conner had like a part of the season when he was just luck boxing. Like when Chase Edmonds was also there and yeah. James Conner was like Jamal Williams in it. Yeah, but, yeah. Then when, but then when James Conner got the offense to himself, he caught a ton of passes. Yeah, because like after awesome. after Chase Edmonds goes out, he has five catches, three catches, five yeah, catches, yeah. two catches, nine catches, two catches, six catches. He's a monster. Right, Cam Akers, show me the nine-catch upside, Cameron. Well, Cam Akers doesn't have James Conner's upside. Cam Akers has James Conner splitting the backfield with Chase Edmonds' upside. Wow. I, I, that's, <laughs> sell me more. <laughs> <laughs> He's Damian Harris with the Patriots two years ago. Like right, I, I think that's so that's really Cam Akers' path to success is like being in a really good yeah. offense, scoring a ton of touchdowns, and you know being like maybe he'll get the third down rat. I've that never was. felt more comfortable about selling this player for a mid two than having him describe. Oh my god, like that James Great. Cook or J- or Cam Akers. Um, I'm gonna check who I have ranked higher. I probably have them <laughs> in the same tier. I do have them in the same tier. Oh uh, I, I do have Cam Akers ranked nominally higher, but I, as you should. Yeah. Probably more than nominally. It should be whatever the opposite of nominally is. What's what's the opposite of nominal? Um, Phenomenally? Materially? <laughs> Materially, yeah. I love that. There's there's some accounting lingo for you. Uh, okay. Yeah. So like Cam Akers for Amari Cooper? I would definitely take Amari Cooper. Yeah, I think I would too, actually. I mean, Amari Cooper was like first year of his life he's ever been an alpha. I'm not depending on that to continue because I don't really want to bet on LR, but like he's he's a good, he's definitely good. Whether he's great, I don't know. He's definitely good, and yeah. we're pretty sure Tashawn Watson's good. So I mean, and there's no target competition, so that's that's fun. Like, yeah, I think I would. I'm targeting Amari Cooper, Cooper actually. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, like, like I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm like lukewarm on him after looking at this. But like, if it's a mid second round pick, and I'm just like on the clock, and it's like I could take, I don't even know who's going in the mid second right now, but probably somebody I'm like lukewarm well, well, on. What it's probably going to be is it's probably going to be like whatever of the mid tier running backs that doesn't get the juicy landing spot in draft capital, right? It's going to be like it's going to be it's going to be Tank Bigsby if he goes in the fourth to the LA Chargers, right? Like that's 
Yeah, and I just think I'd take Cam Akers over that because I already know that he's probably going to start the season at the very least in the lead dog role. Well, maybe. I mean, okay, how about this? okay, how about this? Tank Bibbs, Tank Bibsby, Tank Bigsby. And if you don't care about Tank Bigsby, I'm just using him as like a proxy. Like it's just insert vaguely bell cowish running back. Um, I don't actually like Tank Bigsby, but um, T- Tank Bigsby slash Zach Evans slash, you know, whoever, Ken Raymond, whatever. P- take your pick. That guy goes in the third round i don't even know if the rams have a third round pick so this is maybe a bad hypothetical but he goes in the third round in theory to the los angeles rams would you rather have insert third round vaguely bell cowish running back or cam Akers? i i'd probably still just take cam Akers. Okay. i don't know interesting I, i'm gonna I, bet I, on i'm gonna bet on door number two i i we need to know more about the rookies i guess yeah, that's a fair point. Like, like if Tank Bigsby is who I think Tank Bigsby is, I'd probably take Tank Bigsby. But if Tank Bigsby is the guy that kind of like the scouting community is saying that he is, right? Then I probably but, don't really want Tank. But, but he's not, but he's not that guy because because if he's if if he's the guy that you're hoping he is, then he's not going to be available in the mid two. So I'm saying it's it's someone who's not the guy that's that good. you're hoping they are, right? Like that's gonna yeah. Be I'm probably just going to take Cam Akers and hope that I can cash out quick on a touchdown, lucky touchdown stretch or okay. something. Right. Uh, the Rams um, do have a third round pick, by the way. They have a second, oh. a third, and then like three sixes. Okay, good for them. <laughs> they have all the multiple so sticks. They have, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, that is one thing Cam has going in his favor is that the Rams have very few resources with which to replace him. And I don't think they have a lot of salary cap either. If I had that, <laughs> can't imagine they have much salary cap. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to pick one other one guy that I think that you are uh, too high on, and I'm, I'm going to blend. I'm going to blend this. Actually, here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to blend this into a two-way category of me defending a guy that I'm higher on than you and criticizing the guy that you're higher on than me via a segue. And I'm going to say that you're too high on Javante Williams and too low on J.K. Dobbins. You're on the wrong side of the ACL chart here. So I have both these guys in a similar tier. I actually have J.K. Dobbins ranked ahead of Javante Williams within the tier, straight up. Uh, and have, of course, J.K. Dobbins is cheaper. Uh, and so that becomes actionably much more buy. And basically the idea is with both of these guys, you know, we like them as prospects, both bulletproof prospects, I believe, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Round two picks, right? Similar draft yeah. capital, similar prospect profile. Both with kind of similar rookie years in a sense where, you know, if you want to vaguely picket nits whatever but in the sense that they both seemingly seem like pretty good players were never given the full bell cow role come into the next year with a presumptive step forward and it gets totally ruined by injury right i think the difference is you know we've seen jk dobbins already have the struggle to come back in year three and so that's driven his market down i think in people's eyes but in reality we just saw him already get through the bad year that javante williams is about to have uh, now we get the J.K. Dobbins is fully recovered healthy year instead of having to suffer through the an ACL just ruined the third year of my career year, which is now in store for Javante Williams. So I would rather bet on the guy who I think is vaguely similar, but is now entering health territory where I can potentially realize that upside immediately. Whereas, I mean, every injury is different. You never know for sure. But I think that the odds are low 
that we're getting that immediate production out of Javante this year. I think that the more likely upside scenario from Javante is that, you know, either he starts on the pop or he starts active, but he's getting just, you know, some portion of the touches. And then by the end of the year, he gives you enough to get excited about what we're going into next year. Whereas I think J.K. Dobbins has the upside of just coming in and dominating from week one. This is the take you want to go with? It's the take I want to go with. Yeah. I want to bet on the possession of knees. You don't, you don't, you're not, you don't prioritize knees in your running back analysis. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just sitting here looking at, I, I just pulled up JK Dobbins because I was, I was, I was flummoxed. I was, I was trying to wrap my head around this, uh, this take that you're saying out loud for the, for everyone to hear. The whole world can hear this. The whole world is listening. And yeah. you're telling me 10 minutes ago that you don't want Cam Akers because he didn't catch no passes. And now you're telling me J.K. Dobbins can come in and just dominate from the but start. He's actually good. He's J.K. Dobbins has 120 receiving yards in his fucking career. <laughs> and but he's actually good at football, right? We actually know this. Cam Akers, we're hoping maybe kind of sorta. You don't even think he is. J.K. Dobbins has at every level of his career, from college into the NFL, until he got his knee lopped off, been an extraordinary running back. Who doesn't catch passes? Well, he doesn't catch. He passes. caught passes. Not like a ton in college, but he caught passes to a sufficient degree. He caught passes to a sufficient degree in college. And in fact, he was one of the guys who had more creative receiving usage and when he was prioritized. And I think a lot of it's been a function of the offense. They just don't throw a running back position. But we're entering a lot of uncertainty. Will Lamar Jackson be back? Probably. We're not 100% sure. Will Greg Rowan be back? Definitely not. We know for a fact that he will not be back. Um, That's true. Is... Is there an opportunity for J.K. Dobbins to play a more of a pass game role now without you know being a rookie and getting eased into things? It's certainly possible. I'm not. I don't think that he has the same level of pass catching upside Javante Williams does. If they were both at the same level of health expectation, I would prefer Javante Williams for that reason. But I prefer J.K. Dobbins as a runner. I think he's a better runner of the football in terms of not just being a guy who's able to break tackles and put up fancy missed tackles for stats that go into PFF tweets, but actually convert those into breakaway runs consistently. And I don't think that it's innate to him that he struggles with pass, with catching the football. The only real reason why we're very, very doom and gloom about his pass catching ability is mostly off of one year where he was a rookie and he was in an offense that doesn't throw to any running backs. I, I think that he can do it. And I think that there's some level of untapped upside that we're being a little bit too doom and gloomy about. And now he has that uncertainty around him in terms of a potential new scheme. They might be able to utilize him more in that area. I think it's very possible. I'm not saying he's going to go catch 70 balls or 60 balls, but I think that he can with his level of rushing talent and the potential that this Baltimore scheme that's always been this multi-back scheme could continue to evolve under a new offensive coordinator, I don't see a reason why he couldn't be that more conventional bell cow-type running back who gets 270 carries and 40 receptions. I think that's entirely within his range of outcomes, and he could do it while possibly being one of the most effective running backs in the league. So I, I want I think there is a legitimate upside to this profile. I think that you're wishing upon a star, and I love it. If you're, well, if you're gonna wish upon a star, you wish upon a star at a guy like like this. Like this is the this is the star the star you should be wishing upon. I I'm okay with wishing upon this I'm star. Wishing upon a star. I mean, of course, I'm not I'm not saying this is what's most likely to happen, but I'm making a case, right? We're making a yeah. case. Yeah, you're wishing upon a star. It's fine. I just don't know why you wouldn't wish upon Cam Akers' star when, like, like why wouldn't you do that? Well, he's not good. <laughs> J.K. Dobbins is good. I mean, J.K. Dobbins, I, I think it's within the range of possibilities. 
the J.K. Dobbins is like in the best running back in the league type conversations at the end of next year. So you would rather pay a first round pick for J.K. Dobbins than pay a second round pick for Cam Akers, just to be clear. Well, not like a early first round pick. No, no, like I have him. Yeah, I would pay. I would he's pay, valued a mid first right now. Let let's let's say I would pay. In fact, he's he's two hundred fantasy calc points above him of first, which is I I credit that to be a mid first. I don't know if that's actually accurate. I'm not particularly sure what their terminology is. I, I would pay the let's say the one oh seven for J.K. Dobbins. So you don't even like him as much as as much as the market. Then why are you buying him? The market likes Look, him more than you do. If 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 Drew, if all we do is just bring up the amount in picks from fantasy calc, then every oh. single player is a buy. Literally every single one is a buy. Because we, we value picks. Bring up the trades again. Let's do this again. Let's do this for every player. Bring up oh, the yeah, trades. I'll bring up the trades. I'll, I'm bringing up the trades for Jacqueline. What's his real name? Jacqueline? Someone, Jacqueline? Oh, uh, Something like that. I think you're like mixing it with um, DK Mech. Jacqueline. Yeah, Jacqueline. 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 Sorry. Not... Hey, pulling up the trades right now. Here we go. Let's see. Zay Jones in a 23 first. Oh, does it say when the 23 first is? No, it's just the 23 first. I don't know then. <laughs> Consider it a mid first. Jay, Zay Jones in a mid first. Or Jacqueline Dobbins. Yeah, if it's like the 1 8, yes. If it's higher than that, then probably not. I don't care about Zay Jones for what it's worth. Okay, that's, that's rude. Sorry, Zay Jones, mom. <laughs> Hope you're not listening. We love them, just not in this scenario. Okay, J.K. Dobbins or a 2023 first? Okay, can you pick any of these that don't just have a vague first? These are any... like the only ones that are like one-offs. <laughs> Everything else is like a huge conglomerate of of uh, of picks. Okay, let's try this one. This one is a little bit more straightforward. It's J.K. Dobbins or D.J. Moore? J.K. Dobbins. Uh, oh, another J.K. Dobbins oh. or D.J. Moore. Apparently, it's a popular trade. If you if you have J.K. Dobbins, or if you have DJ Moore, you can maybe get this new form. Or the opposite. Or the opposite. You can or the opposite. Dobbins or Josh Jacobs? Denniston, you might be able to get Deniston Oliver Moore Jr. Um, <laughs> how do I know that offhand? That was impressive. Anyway, um, I would definitely rather have Josh Jacobs than J.K. Dobbins. That's that's disrespectful. I mean, Actually, that's like a disrespectful uh, take. Like, these are the only one-for-one trades for, D for Dobbins. I think his, the trade market for Cam Akers is considerably more appealing. Okay, here's here's the other side of things. So his fantasy oh, calc rank right now one, is nine. His fantasy calc rank, his fantasy calc rank right now is nineteen. Okay, here are some following running backs that are ahead of him that I would rather have J.K. Dobbins than Javante Williams, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon. These are all guys going behind him or ahead of him. Uh, at least as of two weeks ago, those were all guys going ahead of him. Joe Mixon probably slid behind him, but the rest of these guys, I, I imagine, are mostly stable. Yeah, I'm probably taking most of the other guys. Okay, fair enough. I can't believe that's why we disagree. So here, so like, let's just finish this. Or let John, me let me the go John, back. The Josh Jacobs trade is nuts. Josh Jacobs is like RB eight on keep trade. Here, here's an idea. Don't trade the RB eight for the RB nineteen straight it's up. Like, here, I got an idea. Let's 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 put this on the block. How about I give you my third round pick and you give me your seventh round pick? Is that a good deal? Right. Yeah. Fuck. So like, this is why we always trade at cost. I cannot stress enough. You trade at cost. Do not follow your own analysis. You're not that good. I promise. Yeah. At least like near cost. Or I mean, we're gonna talk, we could talk near, about that sometime. But yeah. near cost. 
Yeah. So, so yeah, J.K. Dobbins. I think he has basically no upside. Oh. Uh, I think he's he's Nick Chubb kind of at best is what you can reject for him. There mm-hmm. is a world in which you know the Ravens trade Lamar Jackson. They get back someone who likes throwing to running backs, and then the offense cranks up the pass volume, and they don't get any wide receivers. So necessarily somebody has to catch the ball and maybe it's J.K. Dobbins. Like, there, there's a world out there where this happens. I just wouldn't be betting on it at a mid-first-round pick price. I would considerably just much rather have other things. The Javante Williams side, though, yeah, it's like what I get saying. it. He's not going to be good for the first at least half the year, maybe even the whole year. Like I think that's right. That's it's not a clean pair. That's, that's, that's the issue, right? If it was like – now, I have issues with Brees Hall's cost too because it's so high, but – like, if he had the Brees Hall injury, I'd be more interested. But, like, the fact that he also had a torn meniscus and an ACL, so he had to do prehab, it's just – that's a tough injury to have. The, the thing with Javante Williams is that you don't get profiles like this at prices like this very often. Like, this dude had 43 receptions as a rookie in a timeshare. And he's, like, six – what is he, six foot and 220 pounds? Uh, he's, he's only – 5'10", 212 pounds. He's a little smaller than I remember. 5'10", 212 pounds with 42 receptions – or 43 receptions in a timeshare as a rookie. Like, this is a profile that just doesn't come around very often. Now you're putting Sean Payton and hopefully a bounce back from Russell Wilson. It's all coming together. Maybe he sucks for the first half of the season, and that's possible, but that's already priced in. Like, he isn't all that expensive anymore. He's J.K. Dobbins' price, for crying out loud. So you could just get that, sit on it for 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 weeks maybe, and maybe he's healthy by the playoffs and he wins in your league. Maybe he isn't and you win your league next year, like the following year, 2024. Uh, well, in any event, I'm... we're getting a player in a premium location with a established NFL bell cow skill set already in place, and I'm just going to ride the injury until until he's no longer injured. And I don't care if he doesn't score points this year at his price. I don't. I don't like. It doesn't matter to me. I'm buying him for when he's healthy in 12 months. That's See, I... that's what I'm at with Javante. I agree with all of your logic if I felt a little bit more comfortable about the player. Like, when this was, like, Saquon Barkley, my take was, like, this bat might not hit now, but it's going to hit eventually. And so if you have to pay too much now and, you know, you have to just buy in more later, whatever, Saquon Barkley. I just, I mean, Javante was a, he, he was, I mean, his receiving stats in college are almost identical to J.K. Dobbins. Like, he had more raw volume, but, like, his receiving yards market shares are, like, almost the exact same. He comes into the NFL and you know he's like a 4-6 tackle breaking back and he did a lot of really good tackle breaking but his overall rushing profile was, was fine it, it wasn't great it wasn't bad for being a rookie fine is good um he comes into second year he still wasn't really a workhorse basically the first game of his career in which it was like this guy's the workhorse was the game that he got injured you know the first three games he was still splitting with Melvin Gordon who ended up being so bad that they cut him so I'm just not quite as convinced that Javante Williams is so locked in that they're not just going to add competition, that they're not going to give themselves contingency outcomes. And like, you know, what is it going to take for Javante to just get this upside all back in? Like, is he going to survive to the point where he's actually healthy enough to realize that upside? I hope so. That would be great. I mean, we need more players like that, but I'm, I'm just, I'm a little leery of it. That's all. See, you're like complaining about his workload in the in the games with Melvin Gordon. He had 12, 4, 5 targets. Jake Dobbins hasn't had 12, 4, 5 targets in his life. In his entire well, life. His first three games has more has targets than J.K. Dobbins has had in his whole career. That's this is a true fact. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> is that actually is that true? 
Uh, I don't know. That might be a bit facetious, but it's, it's close. It seems, no, it seems like it might be, so I didn't want to let it uh, let's, let's check the targets. We got eight Probably in not. 2022. Uh, oh, no, he had 24 targets as a rookie. So, Javante Williams had half of the tar- had half the targets of J.K. Dobbins' entire career in his first three games of his timeshare this year. You talked me into Javante a little bit. You haven't talked me out of J.K. because I'm I'm still pretty interested in buying well, him. Like, but you've talked me into Javante a little bit, and I actually I have some Javante because I like there was just some deals where I was like trying to do deals last year on some teams that I wasn't competing with and then people are like oh I don't want to give you a first round pick but I'll give you Javante and I'm like yeah I guess I don't know same idea and I was planning to flip all those but maybe I'll keep a couple um I don't have that much Dobbins but he's a guy that's on my on my buy list this offseason I, I think what I would suggest to the listeners listeners of the podcast what I would suggest is with Javante Williams I would be comfortable selling him right now if you felt like you were a really good trader and could buy him back later. Mm. Like if if you yourself know in your heart of hearts that you can go out into the market and you can acquire some Javante Williams as he struggles in the early going, then wait. But if you know that you are not that trader and you get a chance to buy Javante Williams now, I think you just buy him and, and let it ride. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would suggest is if you are that guy that I was talking about in your heart of hearts, you know you're a trader. If you can unload some Javante Williams now, say say, say you're playing in a whole portfolio of leagues, unload some Javante Williams. Yeah, this has to be a portfolio take because you're not going to like trade him to one guy and then come back to that guy no. six months later and buy him cheaper. Like maybe you will, but you can't bank on that. This has to be. Leagues, this has to be, and you trade him in five, and then you add him, in 10 him in five later in the other in some other leagues later. Yeah. So like. I, like I'm with you. Javante Williams is going to suck out of the gate. It's not going to be pretty. He may not even start the season. Like he, he may not even play till midseason. But I think that once we get there, and he's back healthy, we're set up for a smash with Javante Williams. And given he's not all that expensive, he's he's like 700 points more than J.K. Dobbins, which which is significant, but it's not like crazy. Uh, he's being valued around uh, Najee Harris. Uh, Najee, I, okay, so this is an interesting one. So I have in my ranks, I have. Najee Harris actually, maybe he should have been the guy I brought up. I have Najee Harris ahead of both of these guys. Yeah, I don't mind Najee Harris at this point. I think that uh, I mean, he was playing with like the, I got him as a hold. Like I'm, I'm not like in hate with Najee Harris by any stretch. I have, I might I have a category. Yeah, so I have a category that I, I the way I do my sells and buys is I have neutral. I don't like the term hold uh, because I think that, like the term hold presupposes um, that an asset is more is worth more to you if you have them than if you don't. So I just think that it's like a dumb term. So I choose the term neutral instead. I'm gonna, you know what? You made a great point. I'm going to go yell at a Dyko because I actually called it C. I gave the players grades A, B, C, D, F. And I gave them a C. And Cs okay. get degrees. And I think that's fine. Like I'm, I'm okay with nausea. But yeah, yeah, you're right. To say hold implies you do not want to trade this player. And my stance is simply if somebody wants to pay for them, you can you can sell them. It's fine. Right. But well, I'm hold, not like hold, going hold, on the market trying to buy them, and I'm not going well, on the hold, market. Hold presupposes that like I'm not buying from others, but I like would keep my own. And like that doesn't yeah, make any yeah. logical sense to me. So I, I, I get what it means. But anyhow, I would just say neutral. And then the other ones I have. I have buy and process buy, and I have sell and process sell. And the difference for that is like buy is is like I want to like buy because I like believe in this player and I think he's like fundamentally undervalued. And process buy is like I don't necessarily love this player or like believe in the fundamentals, but like 
for like either market-based reasons or just like archetype-based reasons. Like I just think we should buy. Najee I have as a process buy, which is, I, I said, I am noted non-fan of Najee Harris as a talent, but of all the running backs outside my top 10, Harris's path to star-level production requires the fewest correct assumptions, which is I think like he he kind of already, like there's no, there's no, does he have a functioning knee? There's no, is, he, is his team going to get cut? There's no, like he's, he's not going to get meaningful competition most likely he he already has first round draft capital he's already in the same system like it's just like okay this year jalen warren took too many of his snaps but like would, would it shock anyone if if he just came out week one and he has an 80 percent snap share again like that wouldn't shock anyone right like that's not mm-hmm. he already is the guy and then maybe he's just like more of the guy like i, I don't know well, I think one of the things that gets overlooked is like he had that list Frank injury or whatever right, it was. And he's yeah. playing with like a metal plate in his shoe or whatever. Right. Like, I think that probably has some impact on a running back. I, I'm not a doctor, but I, I would, I, if I oh, had a metal plate in my shoe, I feel like I would be impacted by it. Yeah. So I feel like it's, it's fine to make the, you know, the presumption that Najee Harris might be a little bit better this year. Is, is Najee Harris going to live up to his hype from last year? Absolutely. Absolutely not. But could he outperform his, what is he, about RB12 or so? Could he outperform right. that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I drafted him in the seventh round of a startup this year. I know that that's an outlier. That's not going to happen in a lot of leagues. But yeah. um, And he's Whatever. a guy for sure. Like He's a guy for sure Like in like the nerd leagues, so to speak. I'm using air quotes for the audio listeners. Um, like You're going to be able to get him at a really presentable value. Because there's just going to be so many people that are like, Najee Harris, gross. And they're going to take like super relevant wide receivers over him. Um if, if you're in like home league, like, yeah, Najee's probably going to go higher than you want to take, right? Like I I was in a couple leagues outside of the bubble and like someone traded the 104 straight up for Najee Harris. And I was like, eh, I wouldn't do that. Um, but like, so there, he's a guy, there's going to be a disparity between like people that are super like nerd brained and, and people that are, aren't, but um, there's a world in which I'm open buying him. Um, I, I talked about JK Dobbins, but who's, who's the guy of the ones that I'm higher than the market on, not including Najee Harris uh, that, that you, you want to make fun of me for here? Let me, let me just check here. Uh, Jacob is higher on these guys. Okay, I think yeah. that the guy that I'm most surprised that you're higher than, they're higher than the market on, yeah, is Aaron Jones. Oh yeah, because Aaron Jones is really fucking awesome at r- playing running back. He's like still one of the best five running backs in the league, and he only scored like 13 points a game expected last year, right? Yeah, and I wouldn't want to get myself tied down to these types of silly things you know that's a description of what happened for sure and that's unfortunate but this is a guy where we know that in the past this guy's demonstrated at the i mean he's demonstrated an actually an elite ceiling but if you remove his outlier 2019 season he's more logically been in the low end of rb1 type range he's also pretty consistently beat his expected fantasy points because he good uh, but Putting that aside, I think what you should probably project for Aaron Jones in an average season is he's going to be in like the RB 9 to 12 range. And that's pretty darn good considering that he's pretty darn cheap. He currently has a lower price, or at least as of two weeks ago, had a lower price on fantasy calc compared to other veteran running backs such as Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. And with the exception of Derrick Henry, who I think does have truly elite upside just based on volume alone, these other guys have also slipped into being non-truly league-breaking XFP or real fantasy points-per-game type running backs. And so if we're trying to bet on 
a guy who's projected to be a low-end RB1, what I'm looking at is, you know, staying power, first and foremost. How do I try to figure out if you have staying power? Are you still hashtag good at the game? And Aaron Jones is absolutely still good at the game. He's always been one of the most efficient running backs in the league, and that did not come down to any extent last year. He was 0.69, nice rush yards over expectation per attempt. He was one of the highest EPA per rush. He's still a really strong threat out of the backfield. And I think that there's also some other hidden upside where we don't know what team he's going to be on next year. Um, Aaron Jones carries a $20.4 million cap hit in 2023. Half of that is guaranteed. So Green Bay Packers could essentially save $10 million if they want to move on from Aaron Jones. We don't really know what state the Green Bay Packers are in. They might be in a full-on reset year. And, you know, Aaron Jones is a smaller back. I, I don't expect necessarily that he's going to go to any team and, you know, receive 300 touches. But, he could definitely play on a team that plays a faster pace of offense and gets him ingratiated with more receiving production. And he's a guy who, you know, is efficient in the run game. He's always been a, a high level goal line running back. And we know that he is a really strong pass catcher to the backfield. So I do think that he has that theoretically elite ceiling in the right circumstance. And at the very least, I think he's a really strong bet to continue plugging along as a low end RB one in a way where I think that guys like Kamara and cook and Mixon are just a lot closer to the cliff. And in particular, there's a lot of running backs that are cap casualties this year or that are potential competition casualties this year. A lot of these guys, like I could easily see them getting cut and not really catching on much with a new team or a third round where he comes in and steals their job. That's not going to happen to Aaron Jones uh, unless he completely deteriorates from what he's been because he's self-insulating. He has that level of play. So to me, of an archetype of running back that I think is really risky, he's one of the safer bets. and He's also one of the cheaper bets. I, I just I like I guess I keep coming back to you, but he doesn't really score very many points, and he's 28 years old. Like you're saying, he's really efficient last year, but we are projecting into the future. And when we get to 28 year old running backs, I think it's a little bit sketchy to project elite efficiency into the future. You're you're not concerned about his age? What like when do running backs die? I mean, I consider running backs on a basically on here to your basis. Like, I mean, when we look at the age of running backs, right, it's, it's a matter of once we hit the age apex to me, at some point they're going to go downhill, but I don't think it's particularly easy to gauge. Like I think once we start seeing the decline is when we start seeing the decline. So I'm just tend to project running backs to be what they are until they aren't is kind of my idea around it. So it's like, you know, it's, it's going to happen. The cliff is going to hit at some point. It, it might happen next year. It might happen two years from now, I'm, I'm not particularly sure. But what I would say is like, we usually, we get our canary in the coal mine year, right? Like we just saw it with Dalvin Cook and Alan Kamara this year, where it's like a running back is bad, but they're still getting volume off of their name reputation and off of their security across the depth chart. And then it's the next year when we have to start getting concerned. This is like the Ezekiel Elliott situation where we saw the one year where he was, he was like, oh, I'm bad now, but like he still got all the volume, so it was fine. He just like didn't have a very efficient season, but he was still an RB1. And then all of a sudden this workload starts getting implicated. Like that's where we're going to be at with Dalvin Cook next year. That's where we're going to be at with Alvin Kamara next year. Aaron Jones is not in that spot yet. He is still singing along as a really strong running back. And I don't think it's going to last forever, but it's a guy that we don't have to worry about getting replaced or getting phased out yet in terms of what he brings to the table. I mean, you're citing his XFP. But if we just go over the last several years, I mean, every scoring was down in Green Bay this year because they were a mess on offense. But he's been a very solid 
15 points per game guy for the last few years. He was all the way up at 18.5 in 2020. He was up over 20 points per game in 2019. Like I, I think you're capping this guy's upside a little bit too slim based on last year. But like what has really changed about his role and his upside? Like I don't know why he couldn't just spring right back up. Well, I think that what changed was that the Green Bay Packers used to get into the red zone a lot and he scored a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, but and this year their offense was bad. Why, why couldn't why couldn't they be better? Or why couldn't more why couldn't they be better? Be team? They better even have Rodgers. I mean, what percentage chance do you think this guy's going to be on the Packers? I think it's twenty percent of Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. I think it's eighty percent. He's on another team. I, I don't probably, think it is, and probably a good one. I mean, if he gets cut from the Packers, uh, is a bad team going to sign him? I'm probably not. Probably a good team is going to sign him. I, I don't know that there is. Maybe, maybe the Denver Broncos sign him. Maybe they do sign him. It could happen. It's possible. The um, yeah, the Aaron Jones experience. I think uh, like he had two really strong years in his career. He had nineteen point seven and eighteen point five points per game in two consecutive years, way back in uh, twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, where he scored nineteen touchdowns in sixteen games, right. eleven but touchdowns in fourteen. But he's the exact same player as he was then. There's, he's no yeah, different as a player. But he doesn't play on the. F- freaking Aaron Rodgers MVP level Green Bay Packers anymore. He plays on the Aaron Rodgers 2021 level or 2022 level. I don't think we have any idea where he plays. I I, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's, if you want to buy Aaron Jones for a mid first round pick, if he, and if he ends he up, end up in no, the same I'm team. not buying Aaron Jones for a mid first round pick Get out of here. That's what he's valued. No, but it's not really what he's valued. If, <laughs> no, it's not. Look, it is not. <laughs> I've, I've, so I've drafted Aaron Jones in both of my first two startups. And uh, the like pick that was available at ADP when I drafted Aaron Jones was the 204 and the 205. Hmm. Huh. Well, all I'm saying is... For the record, I am absolutely not trading a mid-first-round pick for Aaron Jones. But like, if you were in are the type paid, of... Are you trading a late-first-round pick? Like, like I would trade like the 112 for Aaron Jones. Yeah. I would trade like the 111. That's where you draw the line. You draw the goddamn line at 111. Maybe I'd have to draw it somewhere. Um, like if, if you're in the t- here's the thing, right? Everybody plays in different fantasy leagues, especially with aging running backs. There's a wide range in how your leagues value them, right? Like there you are, there there are absolutely dynasty leagues, especially home dynasty leagues, where yeah, you're not getting a Derrick Henry or, or an Austin Eckler or any old running back without paying a king's ransom. And the reality is, if you play in those leagues, then just you're opting out, right? You're not trying to pick one. You're just like if 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 the Derrick Henry manager in your league is like, I want two first round picks for Derrick Henry. He's still the RB one. You're you're not going to trade for him, right? You're not going to trade for Aaron Jones in this league either. You're not going to trade for Alvin Kamara in this league either. No. The point is, like, all of these guys are guys that you want to be trying to discount shop on, right? And you're going to try and pick the manager that's trying to blow up their team. Ideally, you're you're looking at a manager who's a little bit more pick thirsty. And I'm just saying, of these guys, Aaron Jones is the door that I would knock on. And that many times, maybe you'll just get told to fuck off, right? But I absolutely think there's spots you can get Aaron Jones um, pretty affordably. You know, I think there's spots you can get Alvin Kamara pretty affordably. I'm just saying I'd rather have Aaron Jones. Yeah, I think I think where I would come back to this is Number one, yes, Aaron Jones is very efficient. We know this. This has happened year over year over year over year. We've never seen him not be efficient. So I think we can conclusively say he's very good at football. I think that we can also conclusively say that he's unlikely to be a pure bell cow running back, which means that he needs to be very efficient at football. If he has the Ezekiel Elliott season where, hey, I'm actually not very good anymore, he's not going to score any points because he's going to be not very good and not give him any touches. We don't have the luxury of, Oh, he could put up a back end RB one season just on volume alone. If he doesn't get his his efficiency, he's like 
not startable, basically. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this though: this isn't this isn't gonna apply if he stays in Green Bay more than likely because he's been with this same coach for a long time. But like, I think that he's always had a lot of potential untapped volume in the passing game. Like, he's been one of the better passing game running backs during his time in the NFL, but it's never translated to massive volume. And you know, I'm not particularly sure why they've operated the system. That's what I'm saying. Like he's always been a really efficient, strong pass game running back. You look at him run routes, like you watch him on the field. He's one of the best pass catchers in the league. But he's never had that 80 catch ceiling. I'm saying, what if he goes somewhere else? Like if you just put him on the Chargers, why couldn't he do what Austin Eckler does? He can. If you watch him, he can. He's better than Austin Eckler. Every single aspect of playing the position. Like I think that there's just a ceiling where he could go to another team and score 20 points per game this year. I think that's entirely in his range of outcomes because I think he could catch 80 balls if a team oriented their offense around it in a way that they have it in Green Bay. So your stance is basically that Aaron Jones is going to play somewhere else this year. My stance is that Aaron Jones is a really good football player, which gives him a certain level of floor, and that I think there's an upside case that he gets a really good landing spot and he provides a completely elite upside. And if we get to the summer, and that's not the case, he's just on the Green Bay Packers, then I don't know. Is he going to be that much less? Is he going to be that much less expensive than he is now? Probably not. And then I'll just cash out. Then I'm not interested in him on the Jordan Love offense. No, but I'm I'm interested in taking a shot now and seeing what happens. Like I okay. I'm interested. Like I don't know what he's. The thing is, he's not even going to be that expensive because he's 28. So he's a guy that like, you know, looks like Josh Jacobs is going to be on the Raiders. Looks like Barkley's still going to be on the Giants. Looks like Pollard is going to be on the Cowboys. Right. It looks like those big three are all going to be where they are. So let's say Aaron Jones gets released. He's probably the best free agent running back on the market. You know, why couldn't why couldn't the Bills or the Chiefs or some some team decide to take a flyer on him or the Dolphins? And like there's some exciting landing spots out there. And then you I, can decide what to do with it. I don't think you're gonna want him on the Chiefs because the Andy Reid Andy Reid doesn't like feeding running backs. You didn't know this? I was told <laughs> very recently that Andy Reid running backs are not good, despite <laughs> Being told for years that you want every running back Andy Reid's ever had. Anyways, that's a, that's a tangent that I we will not go down that path today. <laughs> Maybe Clyde Edwards-Solaire isn't good. Have we considered that? It could it could be a Clyde Edwards-Solaire problem. It could also be an Andy Reid problem. Andy Reid, yeah, remember? Do you remember how stubborn Randy Reed, Andy Reid was with like Kareem Hunt? Like he was so stubborn to give him any touches. He didn't give him like. 400 yards in his first game in the NFL that didn't happen yeah I mean look honestly kudos to Damian Williams for being such an incredible talent that he was able to succeed in the Andy Reid offense I mean, yeah, it's not yeah, every day yeah. that you get a Damian Williams level talent <laughs> it's not every day <laughs> not every day anyways so like yeah I guess if your stance is that Aaron Jones is getting cut and he's going to end up somewhere else and you can and if he ends up somewhere else I, I will agree with you there is some upside there like I, I don't think he's capped at what he's been doing I just I don't think he's really gonna get cut. I guess is okay, what eighty percent was too strong. I think it's above fifty though. Is is there like a website that tells us the chance that somebody gets cut? Like historically, no. Like, and unfo- and unfortunately, that website isn't keep trade cut. It really should be. No, NFL version keep keep trade cut. No, it's not recap. Uh, chop and block. Um, no, there uh, isn't. I think I think that the 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 website, the closest thing is twitter.com. This, and and yeah. that's where you can have people like me being like, I think he's going to get cut. And then people, you'd be like, I don't think he's going to get cut. And then you can yeah, yeah. take that for what it's worth. We're, we're basically arguing something that neither of us is even remotely qualified right. to have okay. an opinion so, on. So, so we both then mostly agree that he's probably going to be fairly fine, but unessential if he's on the Packers with Jordan Love. And yeah. he could be potentially awesome if he's somewhere else. And then what we really disagree on is the potential that he goes somewhere else. 
Yeah, that's that's really okay. what it comes down to. I guess what I would what I would say though is I I really do think you can basically free roll this outcome. Like I I, don't I think, think you can. That, I agree with you. I don't I don't think that he's going to cop. I don't think he's going to be that much harder to move later than he is to acquire now. So I think for the most part you can like free roll this upside scenario and then just cut bait in the summer if you don't if you don't want him anymore. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I just checked and I have him as a hold in my ranking. I don't even dislike Aaron Jones' price. Fake, I don't know why you why you like this fake so much hold. better than I do. I guess I do because you're going to buy him right now, and yeah. I'm just like, yeah, let's just wait and see what happens. So I, don't I guess that's why he ended up on the list. Do you watch, do you watch Survivor? No. Okay, I don't have time so... to watch TV. I don't even own a TV. Yeah. How did, like, I even... If I had a TV, I'd probably watch the games. <laughs> so whatever you said, you are just like, I don't even like or whatever. Um, it's just anytime that anyone says that, for anyone who listens to this who watches Survivor, the, the only thing that ever pops into my head when I hear anyone say, like, I don't even like Aaron Jones, it'd be like, I don't even like the Boston Red Sox. It's the Houston Astros, baby. Um, so shout out to Russell Hans that you don't get that reference. But some, we, some we do not like, get that reference. If you were to draw like the it. circles, you draw the circles and then the overlap, we don't overlap with Survivor. Our audience is not the same. No, I think it is because we even have a thread in the Bulletproof Discord for Survivor Talk that I created. Stop it, do we? Yeah. Oh my God. We'll, I'll cancel that after the. <laughs> you're being canceled. Yeah. All right. Who's next? Adaiko is a big Survivor fan, by the way. What's that? Adaiko is a big Survivor fan. I, I would imagine he would be. He no. seems like the kind of guy who would be very much into survival. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we talked about Aaron Jones, whether he's going to be a survivor of the free agency process. Uh, okay. Now we're going to talk about guys that we're both under the market on. Um, so maybe we'll, I mean, basically we can, we agree on these guys. So what maybe yeah. what we'll do is, is like I'll pick one and then you pick one, but we don't really need to talk about the other. Let's just pick one. We agree. Let's just pick Let's one. Let's just do one. Cause we're only doing an hour tonight and it's already at an hour. Well, I think we, we've talked about the other two guys a lot on this show. So I will pick, I'll, I'll pick one that we haven't talked about as much recently. Um, mostly because I think it's, it's, it's Hold on. You, just, you need to pick the right one because there's one that I think you should pick. I think that we're going to land on the same one. Okay. Um, Jim Cook is the guy that I want to pick. Oh my God. No, I wasn't going to say him at you all. You weren't going to pick him? No. Uh, who are you well, that's fine. Let's, let's go James who, Cook. Who, who that's are you going to pick? Let's talk about two. It's fine. Who are you no, no, pick? we don't have time for that. Hashtag Matt. We're sorry. Or hashtag sorry, Matt. We're going too long okay. again. Why don't, you just say, why don't you just say the name then of the guy you were going to pick and then we'll pick which one to talk about. I, well, it was Rashad White. Okay, well, I would have agreed with that, but I think we we hammered him repeatedly like two episodes ago. Did we? I've, I've, I, it's been so long. I, I don't even remember. Yeah, don't remember we agree on Rashad game. White. He's we agree on Rashad White. That there's problems with Rashad White are tenfold. Uh, number one, he number one. No, team we're not doing Rashad White. Stop it. I'm giving the TLDR version. It's no TLDR version. Number one, he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. Number two, he's bad at football. Number three, he costs way too much. Number four. He's bad at football again. Number he costs five. costs way too much? He costs way too much. But maybe he also oh, costs, costs way too way much. Too maybe much. He has, maybe he has you're saying he's sickly. Like, this guy's always on sick leave. He's never showing up to practice. You don't want this guy? <laughs> no, Rashad White. I, Rashad White's a priority <laughs> sell. I already sold one share this offseason. Why would you even have one? I'd love him in the rookie draft. He's a great bet. Oh. bet. Here's here's the, here's the why That's you like want to bet on Rashad White. He's missing life. Here's like no, he's actually he, he's that was worse than your Elijah Moore takes. No, he actually profited after his rookie year. You can sell him for more now than you drafted him. He's the key trade cut line is going up on Rashad White. Here's a oh profit. I've traded two Rashad Whites now. I traded one in season. I traded Rashad White in a third for Christian Watson in a second. 
So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, and then oh, you uh, also hated Christian Watson. I and forgot then we bought him. And then we draft. bought him, and we bought him in season. Wow. Look at that. I drafted Rashad White over Christian Watson, and then I sold him for Christian oh. Watson plus. That's how you. That's how you time the market. Good for you. Maybe well you should. Maybe you should learn how to time a market, Drew. Try it sometime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. I want. I want. I want to hear your thoughts on this trade because patrons said that I they didn't like this trade very much. Um. But I, I traded Rashad White. Time out, time out, because there's there's a funny thing about the uh, trade threads in the in the Discord. Yeah. I, I pop in your guys' trade threads sometimes just to just to see what's going on. And there's uh, in coops. I I yeah. feel like I saw one time, and maybe it happens a lot. But he like put that like gif where it's like, "Why are you booing me? I'm right." Yeah. Like I feel like every time I go in coops channel, everyone's like, "Coop, what are you doing?" Right. Well, but Coop, right. the problem is that we always talk about trading like at cost, right? But I think yeah. that we mean it like a little bit more figuratively than literally. Yeah. And so then sometimes Cooper will post a trade where it's like we're losing on keep trade cut, and then people are like, "You hypocrite!" Um, and that that happened to me on this time. So I traded Rashad White and uh, Jahan Dotson and the two eleven for uh, David and Joku, Deontay Johnson, and the three twelve. And people didn't like that because they were like, these guys are the same on keep trade caught. You gave up the pick. But my, my take is I like David Njoku substantially more than Rashad White. And I like Deontay Johnson substantially more than Jahan Dotson. Yeah, I, I like I like I would I just want Deontay Johnson. Right. I don't yeah. really care about anybody else in the trade. You don't like David Njoku? What happened to you? Oh, I like David Njoku, but he's not gonna freaking change your team. He might. He's gonna be he's gonna score 12 fantasy points per game, and we're gonna celebrate that he's the tight end seven. Yeah, we will. Like it, it just it just like it just doesn't I mean, matter. He might he can why couldn't he have a twenty two percent target share on a Deshaun Watson offense? You're selling David and Joku. It's possible, and then him. somehow he's going to end up with like twelve points per game, and we're going to be like, "Yay, that was really helpful." Not at all. It's not at all helpful. I like I. It's it, it's the same thing with every tight end though. It's like well, like David and Joku is a fine role because you might. He could be Travis Kelsey. Like, it's possible. Travis Kelsey wasn't Travis Kelsey for like three years. I'm glad, I'm glad that we agreed that David Njoku is Travis Kelsey. That was a yeah. little tangent. Okay. Um, but yeah, the point was we already talked about Rashad White a lot. But yeah, we're both selling Rashad White. Um, really bad at cost. But J James Cook. Um, I have seen a lot of people make the argument. And honestly, this also applies to Rashad White. But this definitely applies to James Cook, I think, even more. <laughs> is people are saying, this is his backfield now. Devin Singletary is a free agent. Devin Singletary is going to be out the door. This is a James Cook backfield. Don't you want the guy in the Buffalo backfield that's going to be James Cook? And my argument to that is, Devin Singletary sucks. Okay? Devin Singletary is terrible. He is, one of, he is <laughs> one of the worst running backs in the NFL by rush yards ever expected. He has been in a bad below average running back for every year of his career basically he was a mid-round small slow uninspiring non-pass catching running back as a prospect he's been entirely uninspiring in every year of his career he has failed upwards solely because every other running back that they have brought in has been so entirely unthreatening that devin singletary just survives by continued mediocrity in comparison to below mediocrity as an alternative the fact that james cook couldn't just immediately usurp him is frankly an indictment 
upon James Cook. And the notion that the Bills, after having let Devin Singletary walk in free agency, have no other alternative but to simply bestow all of his touches upon James Cook is patently absurd. There are like 75 Devin Singletaries in the NFL. They grow on trees. If you just like walk down the street, you will see Devin Singletaries everywhere. The Bills can easily re-sign Devin Singletary himself for probably two years at like $3 million per. If they want to sign any number of other running backs who are no better or worse than Devin Singletary, they will have no shortage of options. And I am pretty sure that their running back depth chart will include someone, some warm body of some sort, of some varying quality next to James Cook. And probably that guy is just going to take on the touches that Devin Singletary leaves behind if that guy isn't Devin Singletary himself. Because I promise you that Devin Singletary was stopping no one and nothing from simply commanding the workhorse role. If you would put Ken Walker or Brees Hall or any other actually good rookie running back next to Devin Singletary this year, Devin Singletary would have been deemed irrelevant by week three. So just stop it. <laughs> I I, uh, I don't know if you were doing fantasy football analysis back in the, in the um, Devin Singletary draft year. But it was a lot of fun back then. I was doing Dynasty, but I wasn't doing like analysis. I wasn't doing content. So I don't remember who it was, and I I, I apologize a million times to whomever had the tweet. And I, I'm paraphrasing because it was a long time ago. But the tweet was basically, "You can be a small running back and be successful. You can be a slow running back and be successful. You can be a small school running back and be successful. You can be a running back who does not catch passes and be successful." But you cannot be small, slow, go small school and not catch passes and be successful. That's too many strikes. And it's stuck with me ever since. So shout out to whoever that was. And if you're listening to the show, hit us with the comments about your great tweet because I loved it. I remember it to this day. Every time I think of Devin Singletary, I think about how he checks literally no boxes and you so eloquently pointed out. Then we had many, many years of Devin Singletary being absolutely irrelevant. In, in the least of the most. The least <laughs> Not even just fantasy in football, like irrelevant. They're like, hey, why don't we just run the ball with our like superstar quarterback instead of <laughs> hand it off to Devin Singletary? Let's put him in harm's way because we don't trust Devin Singletary to get four yards. Like it, it's it like Devin Singletary isn't good. James Cook then coming in and like you said, clearly showing that he isn't good either because he wasn't able to like even touch Devin Singletary's workload for like half the year. And and then I'm pretty sure he only really got like garbage time, if I recall correctly, for like the last half of the year. No, the last half of the year he was integrated into the offense. Like basically was starting it? with the game at New England, he was legitimately integrated into the offense. They were in a close to even timeshare, um, and he was getting touches. But like he was, I mean, he was. They were giving him a lot of scheme touches, as they should. I mean, he's a more interesting, like, dynamic player than Devin Singletary, in a sense. And people bring up, you know, all of his fancy stats. Okay, he has a number one breakaway run rate. Number three in yards per touch, everybody's favorite running back stat. Number two in true yards per carry. Okay, I get it. That tells me that he was good at playing a complementary change-of-pace running back role which is also what he was good at at Georgia, which is what he was drafted to do, which is what he'll continue to probably do. Like, this guy is, what is he, five? He's, he's 5'11", 199 pounds. He has an extremely small BMI, and at no point in college or NFL has he ever stood up to workload, right? 
if this is similar, like what you said with Devin Singletary, where it's like you can't be small and slow and this and that, it's like there's a certain level of excuses that you can make for a running back. And each time you add an additional one, your argument becomes less and less plausible, right? It's like you can you can say, okay, this guy was really efficient and it was on low volume, but why can't he keep up this efficiency, right? And then if you say, well, he's really small, so he's probably never going to get that many carries. You're like, yeah, but why couldn't he get more carries? And then it's like, well, he also is like not actually that short. So his BMI is really small in addition to him weighing not that much. And you're like, yeah, but why couldn't he? And then you'd be like, yeah, but he also didn't actually get any carries in college either. Um, so he's like never shown any ability to do volume. It's like, yeah, but why couldn't he? And it's like at a certain point, it's just pretty obvious that it's just not going to happen, right? It's like, it's not like he's, it's one thing if you're Antonio Gibson, right? And you weigh 230 pounds and you didn't have volume in college. It's another thing if you're Austin Eckler and you don't weigh that much, but you got a ton of volume in college. But when you like don't have any history of getting volume and you don't look like the kind of player who would get volume, you're probably just a role player, right? Like that's just probably what he is. So, and, and to be honest, if he ever did get volume, he just probably wouldn't be as efficient, right? Like he, he, so. So, so interestingly, he, uh, I just looked it up on uh playerprofiler.com. His average defenders in the box was 6.1, which was number 63 in the NFL. Like he was not playing, playing into anybody trying to stop the run <laughs> like right. at all. Defense was not worried about James Cook's presence on the football field which is probably why he was so damn efficient. But yeah, you're right. He's just never, he doesn't profile as a player that's going to get a whole bunch of volume. He didn't disprove that in any way, shape or form as a rookie. I don't know why anybody would ever expect this player to be getting a substantial amount of volume. And, and even his like receiving isn't that good. Like, right. That's the thing. He's like not even really, and his, and his receiving volume in college wasn't that high either. Like he's not even, yeah. he's not even like a pass catching back. He's like a change of pace back. Yeah, it's he's he's like the worst kind of running back role. Like really. Like he's probably never going to see goal line touches. He's probably never going to be like a true like three third down running back. Right, cuz he's, he's just probably guy too small gets... to pass block. So he's like it's kind of like a scat back. It's it's just it's just a terrible sequence of events for anybody trying to buy James Cook. Sorry to sorry to everyone. Literally everyone. I'm so sorry. That James like, Cook I... is not going to be your savior. I think the Bills are going to do one of three things, right? They're either going to, well, one of four things, right? They're either going to re-sign Devin Singletary, literally, or they're going to sign, like, another Devin Singletary. Like, they're going to sign, like, Jamal Williams, or they're going to sign Alex yeah. Madison, or they're going to sign any number of really boring early down running backs to pair with James Cook and take the same carries that Devin Singletary used to take. Or they're going to draft that guy in round three or four, which I guess that's better than the alternative, because at least, like, maybe that guy will totally suck. Um, or they're going to be like, oh, we have a chance to sign Saquon Barkley or we have a chance to sign Aaron Jones or whatever, and they're not going to let James Cook stop them. Um, so it's going to be one of those, or maybe they'll draft B. John Robinson, right? Like they're either going to add a legitimate bell cow that, that deems James Cook entirely irrelevant, or they're going to add another Devin Singletary that keeps James Cook as a flex play at best. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's just... He's just... If you're building an NFL team and you want to have a guy like this on your roster for whatever reason, go for it. If you're building a fantasy football team, this is a guy you want nowhere near your roster. He carries, he carries way too much value for virtually no upside. 
and probably a really, really low floor. Right. I mean, I made the comparison in my rookie ranks to between him and Brian Robinson, because even though they're nothing alike as players, they're like kind of similar in the sense that like they're probably good at a specific thing, but they have such systemic limitations to ever scoring fantasy points that they just become kind of pointless at their current cost, right? Like, it's one thing if you roster these guys when they're the boring vet version of Brian Robinson and James Cook, and they cost like a late third. But when they're the young rookie, they have like fake upside, right? Like they have upside in theory because they're young. They don't actually have upside because Brian Robinson is never going to catch passes and James Cook is never going to get volume. So it's just fugazi upside that doesn't actually exist. Yeah. Right. Robinson has basically uh, what's his name, Damian Harris. Type. I was gonna say I was gonna give him Jordan Howard upside. I was gonna be nice. Okay, fine. Jordan, well, Jordan Howard's pretty good. I don't know if he's got that much upside. Like <laughs> that one year, Jordan Howard had like fifteen hundred rushing yards. Like that's never gonna happen for Brian Robinson. You don't so, know that. Did you see some of the games at the end of the year? They were giving that guy. It was like he would play thirty-eight snaps. He'd get thirty-two carries. Like it was just yeah. like, <laughs> and still did like very little with them, if I recall correctly. Well, yeah, of course he was doing very little with them because they brought him into the game and they'd run like double tight end formation and they'd like revert the clock back to 1968. And the defense would be like, okay, guys, let's bring in the heavy package. And then they'd run power O, just jamming him into the box over and over again, which right. I think he's pretty good at, but you just can't really move the ball doing that. So it doesn't really matter. Love it. Ron Love Rivera. It. What a team. Okay, who's our next guy? Um, okay, so the last category is guys that were both above the market on. And I want to combine this into two because I think that it's funny. I, I don't think that we should do that because then everyone's going to know that we are frauds. <laughs> you want to talk? Okay, I picked the last guy, so you pick this guy. No, I'm kidding. We should talk about both because we're, we're absolute frauds and yeah. uh, the, the masses need to know. Okay. We're just flip-flopping. Like, we, we just, right. we're just going with the wind, flailing about like a paper bag or... How's that? Uh, is it a Katy Perry song? A plastic bag floating through that. That is us when it comes to running back analysis. Feel like a plastic bag. Yeah, yeah. We, we probably didn't need to sing it, but it was fun. <laughs> we didn't sing it. Um, okay, so look, if you want the high-priced buys, there's only one of them that we both agree on. That's high-priced. Um, but if you want those, you got to go to Patreon. But if you want the bargain <laughs> in buys, we're going to give them to you. Just, Just slamming the door and people, the, slamming the paywall in people's face. I love it. So this cracked me up because I had not yet looked through Drew's tears when I did mine because I wanted to go through it entirely unbiased. And then I looked afterwards and I like kind of chuckled to myself because I only had two actual buys. I had several process buys of the cheap running backs, but I only had two. BUI buys amongst the running backs that I had valued at a third round pick or less. Or maybe it was like a late two or less, something like that. And both of them were very ironic because they're both players that I've been pretty vocally against for most of their careers. And then I looked at Drew's ranks and I saw that he had the exact same two guys as buys. And I thought that was truly hilarious because Drew has also not been a big fan of these players for most of their careers. Uh, and those two players are Damian Harris and Rashad Penny. Uh, we are all in on Damian Harris and Rashad Penny. Why don't you leave this one off? Well, I think I think what I, I, we were talking about this before the show, and I was like, I think the, the interesting thing about this kind of thing is, like, I pick like a value and I and I assign this value to like Rashad Penny. I'm like, he's a good football player. He's never healthy, 
and he's probably never going to catch passes. But he's a good football player. Like he's he's hitting home runs. He's you know stealing second base. Like he's a good football player. And and I just stay there. And then the the market though the market goes like, oh he's a good football player and he's healthy. Vroom, like to the to the roof. And then it's like oh and now he's hurt. Vroom, he's free. And I'm just like staying in the same spot. I'm like he's he's still a good football player. He gets hurt. He's 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 a fucking running back. Of course he gets hurt. Like I'm not, I'm not concerned about him getting hurt because they all get hurt. He gets hurt a little more than most, but but uh, at the end of the day, like I think he's been consistently good at running the football pretty much his yeah. entire life, and when he's healthy, he's probably going to be good at running the football again. And with a guy like Rashad Penny, what I'm looking for is I hope he's healthy for weeks 15, 16, 17, <laughs> and or I guess 18 now because the 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 extra week. But like I, I'm just hoping that he's healthy in those four weeks, and I'm going to fire him up. And when he's free, I don't care that he doesn't have a ton of upside. I don't care he doesn't catch passes. Last year when he wasn't free, I care that he didn't catch passes. Like, well, wait, hey, well, hold on. I don't want to pay up for a guy that is only ever going to be, like, if he hits his ceiling, RB12. Like, that's not what I'm interested in at that price. Now I'm like, he's free and he could be an RB12 if he's healthy? Yeah, sign me up. Let's go. And the Damian Harris side of it is pretty much the same thing. Like, I think Damian Harris is a pretty good running back at running the football. He's probably never going to catch a whole lot of passes. And now he's free. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't we buy Damian Harris and hope that he gets lucky for the stretch of the of the uh, fantasy playoffs and I get to win my league because of him. Right. The great irony of these guys is, like, they always had these inflated prices based on just the known possession of not very good roles, right? Like neither of these guys ever had like the type of role. It's one thing when you have like a Leonard Fournette. They're not Javante Williams. Right. Know? Yeah. It's okay. I always pick on Leonard Fournette because he's bad. Um, it doesn't matter. It comes to mind. But the thing is it like Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette was always the type of player where it was like, you know, it was like, especially with the Bucks, right? Like these last couple of years with the Bucks, it's been like, okay, Leonard Fournette is obviously not very good. So like, his like value is very like fragilely tied to this role that he currently possesses. But for as long as he's in it, let's ride. Right. But these guys aren't that like they, they don't really receive any boost from their situation. They, they've never had like incredible roles, like whatever they have gotten as fantasy value has just been entirely out of their own skill level at being good at a really inefficient way of scoring fantasy points, which is rushing the football, right? Like Penny's better because he's more explosive. Harris is more of like a 10 yards at a time guy, but both of them are really good running backs. Like you give them the, they add value on their carries and teams are going to continue to value that, especially because they will provide it very cheaply in free agency because they only have that one skill set. Like you're going to be able to sign these guys for not that much. We just mentioned the bills, right? There's, the Bills can easily look at their team and be like, well, we already have James Cook, and he's going to play a situational role, and he's going to do some passing back, and, you know, oh, we'll just sign this other guy for $4 million, and we're going to have really strong rushing ability, right? Some team's going to do that. I don't know which one. I have no idea which one. But some team is going to do that. These guys are going to get carries because they're good. They're going to get carries on an NFL team. And so their prices, though, they're like, Maybe they'll be a backup. Maybe they'll be out of the league. We don't know. They're not going to be out of the league. Price, like, I hope they're still in the NFL next year. Right, and they're, they're going to be in the NFL. Like, the worst-case scenario in these guys is they're going to be, like, a clear-cut number two, and then you get a handcuff, which whatever. But, like, I'm pretty sure that these guys are probably going to be in a role where they're going to get 10 to 15 carries and one or two targets. And, you know, you're going to have them on your roster, 
and they're going to not make that much of a difference for you, but you're going to be able to serve them at RB2 if you need to. You're going to be able to play them in your bye weeks, and maybe they get hot over a stretch in the playoffs like you mentioned, right? And again, you get to buy them at the price of maybe they're an NFL player, but we already know they're an NFL player, and I just think it's like silly this time how much we project onto certain roles. Like, for example, Jamal Williams, who's also a free agent, is valued like considerably above both these players. And he is considerably worse than both of these players. Like he is not efficient. He's not good. He just happened to score a lot of touchdowns this past year, whereas these guys happened to get injured. But like that doesn't mean anything going forward. They're all the same idea of running back. They're all like early down running back free agents who are going to get some type of role somewhere. And these guys are frankly better at football. I would rather have both of them straight up than Jamal Williams. Um, and like, that's kind of how we should view, I think, a lot of these guys. It's like, who are these players? And in particular, when they're free agents, why the fuck do we give a shit about what their role was last year or how healthy they stayed? <laughs> well, I, I honestly, I, I never really thought about it before, but you said the Bills. And I was like, oh, man, like Rashad Penny on the Bills feels like destiny at this point to me because he's like that big home run hitter. I just feel like that whole team is built to hit home runs. Like Josh Allen is a home run hitter. Gabriel fucking Davis is a home run hitter. James Cook is a home run hitter. Rashad Penny is a home run hitter. What, what do they call that uh, That stretch of the Yankees lineup in like the 50s? It was like Murder's Row or something? Yeah. That's, it's like that's cool, every yeah. guy hit home runs. Like I feel like that's the fucking Bills. And right. now I'm like, if they don't sign Rashad Penny, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> this is a perfect, like perfect with what they try to do. Right. I mean, another team that I think would make a ton of sense is the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they could easily look at it and they're like, okay, what's the job of a running back on the Philadelphia Eagles? Basically to run straight through a big hole and get a bunch of extra yardage. And they're like, Miles Sanders is pretty good at that. He's probably going to cost them like $8 million, but they could just sign Rashad Penny for like $3 million and he'll do the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> they could probably sign Rashad Penny and Damian Harris and hopefully one of them is healthy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the funny thing. Like Penny is like, to the extent injury prone to thing, Penny is it. But Harris was always entirely healthy until this yeah. year, right? He just happened to get injured this year. <laughs> he happened to get injured this year, and then uh, what's his name? The the other dude Ramondre. in the offense. What's Ramondre that? Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, Ramondre happened to be like take over like the whole role, and then it made I think it made Damian Harris look bad. But if you look at like I think in the end of the season when Damian Harris was like healthy, season, Damian Harris actually played more snaps. Yeah, Damian Harris like took back his role from Ramondre Stevenson. Not yeah, like Ramondre also, Ramondre also got hurt in that stretch. So it's oh, did little, he? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a it's it's you know it's one of those things where we don't really look at splits, but it's also like, well, that's interesting. But if Ramondre got hurt, then that makes more sense. He well, but, he was still playing, but he got hurt. Remember on the Monday night game, and then he ended up playing through it. But like, I don't know that he was one hundred percent. So who knows? Mm. But yeah. anyways, like. The fact that he got back to his role, I think, is like a testament that he's probably pretty good at football. Yeah, like, well, and even, even you look at it, like the games that Harris missed, Ramondre played like ninety nine percent of the snaps. Like he just literally played every snap. And then every time that Harris came back healthy, like what his role was fluctuated, but he had a role, right? And so that yeah. showed the Patriots were like, whatever we think of you, we think of you much higher than we think of Pierre Strong, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I just, I just don't, I can't see a world in which these guys don't have day one roles. They might not be day one bell cows, but they're going to be day one roles. They're going to be, you know, the 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 thunder part of the committee or whatever. And and if they, you know, strike gold in the touchdown streak, we can cash out. And if they don't, then we'll hope that they do in the playoffs. And maybe they'll be healthy the whole year. Who knows? They're fucking running backs. Like all they got to do is stay healthy, and then they score enough points to get into the starting lineup nine times out of ten. Because the other half of the league is all dead. <laughs> so like. <laughs> 
just just if a guy can play football and he plays running back, get him on your team when he's free and just wait. That's it. It's that simple. Exactly. And, All right. And then and then but the, but then wait, there's more because then what happens sometimes is these guys score like 15 touchdowns in 16 games and then the masses rush out to best case scenario that now he's also going to catch passes and the sky is the limit and that's when we were like, "Whoa. Whoa. Let's back up a second. That is insane. This guy has never caught passes." You're projecting you were what was I telling you you're doing with uh wishing upon, upon a star. Upon a star? You are wishing upon a star with Damian Harris last year and Rashad Penny last year. We can wish upon a star at these prices. It's okay again. We're back to square one. Like, let's go on on these guys. I don't know. It's just, I, I just find it really alarm. Not alarming is maybe not the right word, but like surprising how fickle fantasy gamers are at a position when we know they get hurt. Like, that's why running backs don't matter. And we know that they don't matter because a guy gets hurt, the next guy walks in does the same damn thing. So why are we so upset when they get hurt? Like they're coming back. I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm all riled up. I don't want to talk about running backs anymore. All right. Well, that's going to be the end of the show. I know that we were at the end of the some... show. It's at the end of the show. Yeah, I was gonna. We were gonna get to a mailbag question, but it is get to the mailbag. Sorry, hashtag story map. We're going. It's, no, it's 11 p.m. and my roommate's trying to sleep, so I actually have to. It's 10:58. <laughs> we had two minutes. <laughs> yeah, that, that that mailbag question deserves a better answer. We're gonna do we're gonna do an off season episode where we get through a ton of mailbag questions. Okay, I promise. I'll tell you what, if you're listening to the show right now and you are upset at Jacob's roommate, as you should be, go ahead and leave us a review about how Jacob's roommate is the worst for sleeping at 11 p.m. This is prime podcasting time, and shame on him or her. I don't know if I don't know who your roommate is, but the masses are pissed. You let, you let your roommate know in the morning. The masses are pissed. I, I, I don't even know that she's leaving. I'm just trying to be considerate, um, even though, uh, I mean, it was pretty inconsiderate already to podcast till 11, but I'm doing, doing the best I can to balance the masses. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, that's no, you can't leave. You can't hang up yet, Jacob. You have to do the thing. That's true. I do have to do one thing. And what I have to do, what I want to do, not just have to do, what I want to do is read this ad. Uh <laughs> Like this Sunday, what everybody wants to do is they want to watch the football game. And let's be honest, if you're listening to this show, are you a living, breathing, football playing carnivore? No. Are you probably betting on the game? Yes. So if you're betting on the game, if you're ready for the biggest Sunday in sports, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action that you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, right? Just like Rashad Penny might be able to walk in and get 200 carries instantly. You can get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to see what prop bet will be boosted. Drew, who do you have winning the Super Bowl? Well, I'm going with the Chiefs. I don't think you're I like betting against Patrick Mahomes, I think would just be a, a fool foolish thing to do. Well, I picked the Eagles before the season as my Super Bowl back, and I had them at plus twenty hundred odds. And so I'm gonna ride with them. I'm gonna continue to ride but with the Eagles. The I picked them all the way before the season. I'm picking the but Eagles to win twenty seven to twenty. If you've already bet on the Eagles, wouldn't you wanna like uh hedge now and pick the Well the if you're a beta, team? but I'm an alpha. Oh, 
Well, here's here. Okay, fine. I don't know anything about gambling. I it, like whatever. But here's the thing: is have you considered per a cash that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback that's ever lived? Um, have you? <laughs> I was gonna do the whole. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the best, but Jalen Hurts might be the more pro. No, it's just so stupid. Um, well, it's just Patrick Mahomes isn't actually a quarterback. He's the best I'll, athlete. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I'm looking forward to this game. My favorite thing in sports is watching the best player go against the best team. That's like my favorite like sports classification of event. And, and I think we get that. Like I think the Eagles have the best roster in the NFL, and they're better at literally every position other than quarterback. And so I love the idea of watching the best player in the sport have to win through adversity. So like Patrick Mahomes being injured, Patrick Mahomes having some wide receivers out, having just clearly not quite as good of a roster as the Eagles have. Like I love watching a battle that it's going to be so much fun. I don't think that they'll win. I think that the Eagles are going to be able to, I, I think that the Eagles are good enough, at least on defense that Patrick Mahomes is just going to have to hit singles all day. Like it's just going to have to be, 10 to 15 yard pass, 10 to 15 yard pass, 10 to 15 yard pass, 10 to 15 yard pass. And I just think it's going to be really hard to score enough points to outpace this Eagles offense doing that. Like you just have to be so flawless. Other things it's going to be difficult, but if anybody can do it, it's Patrick Mahomes. And even if I wind up losing money on the Super Bowl, I'll be happy because I don't see a way that the chiefs win this without a transcendent Patrick Mahomes performance. And I would be happy to see that. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like what I would expect at this point. I, like, I, don't, I don't really, there's something about like, this is a bit nostalgic, but like for me, watching sports, believe it or not, actually, I actually do have a TV. Earlier, I lied. I, I actually do have a TV. That was a, that was a, a blatant lie. And I'm sorry to put you through all that. It's been a roller coaster ride of an episode, but like watching sports to me is so much about like the superstar athlete and like the personality that comes with it, and and like watching it not not live per se. Like I'm not at the stadium watching the game, but like watching on TV live, and like. Just like imagining like the thirty for thirty in the future of like the shots, like I don't know, it just like blows me away. When you when you think about like 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 you said, like best on best, like this is the best player in the world playing the best team in the world, and like the odds are mounted against him because he's like one man against this army, and, and like it's like, it's like three hundred, like he like Patrick Mahomes is going to this like three hundred. He's gonna need three hundred yards at least to win this game, and I'm just I'm I I enjoy that like. Uh, personality of the sport, like that's that's what I really enjoy out of, of out of sports is the the superstar personalities and the the stories that they carve. And I, I'm yeah, I'm I, I am like a a bandwagoner for like the really good players. Like oh, who isn't? I'm I'm in on Patrick Mahomes for yeah, like, I I love it, man. I I love I'll, I'll always love watching the best when they're in adversity. Like I don't, I don't enjoy like watching like LeBron when he was on the heat with like Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. You got to pick all through. That's boring to me. Like I didn't like watching like the 07 Patriots with like Randy Moss and like stuff, but like watching, watching the best when they're up against it. I love it. Yeah. So um, look, if you want, if you want to ride with me and the Eagles, if you want to ride with Drew and the chiefs, if you want to make like, the right bet, off, if you want to do what you want to do, what you want to do, the right bet is always downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app and using code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network. We are a proud, proud affiliate of the Pigskin Podcast Network. New customers, like I said, can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57, get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Uh, so I'll, I'll be talking about my picks. I, I haven't decided on what I'm going to do, but uh, I've had a pretty good, I've had a pretty good uh, betting postseason where we're up quite a bit. We hit a big single game parlay on the 
uh, Eagles Giants. We just hit Justin Jefferson, offensive player of the year, forty to one from the preseason. So we're gonna be we're gonna be having fun in the Super Bowl. We're gonna be betting probably uh, probably some AJ Brown overs because I like, always got to support my guy AJ Brown. Isn't it uh, smarter to bet unders? Like yeah, just generally speaking. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we don't really. Under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm probably gonna bet unders on like except, everyone I don't like. Except Patrick Mahomes, you're gonna bet the overs on Patrick Mahomes. Oh, you got that right. You know what I've been? You know what I've been doing in every Eagles game so far is I I pick whatever I'm gonna pick, and the one that I've just tacked onto everything is I bet Quez Watkins unders in, in each game because he always has like an actual line, but he doesn't do anything. He just runs around. So you can just get a free extra leg of your parlay just betting whatever is under it. It's just free. You just add it on. Why don't you just bet like a whole bunch on the quiz <laughs> under then? Yeah, I could do that too. But he was like, especially in the Giants game, he had like two receptions. I was like, okay, he might catch one, but two? I feel, I feel like I really want to get into gambling next year. I, I feel like I really enjoy that aspect of it, but I just never like seem to have the time to really dig in. Anyways, we're off topic. Bet the I'm quiz, sorry. Bet the quiz Watkins under is what I'm saying this week. <laughs> <laughs> like there's nothing I enjoy more than cheering for Quez Watkins to be as invisible as he's always been. You you get a lot of fun out of betting unders for irrelevant players, I think. For for which? Like I think you would really enjoy betting the unders of irrelevant players. Yeah, like I feel like I would want to make a killing on Gabriel Davis this year. <laughs> he spent a lot of time in the under. He was off and under. <laughs> <laughs> Next year. Hopefully, there's going to be a Gabriel Davis this year. We don't know who it is yet. I'm really excited for the masses to just inflate someone's tires, gas them up. And it's too, it's too bad that Jacksonville traded for Calvin Ridley because I think it could have been Zay Jones. It could have been Zay Jones. It could have been. He, he Zay Jones, actually, I was thinking about it the other day. Um, uh, what the hell is the guy's name? Robbie Anderson went yeah. to the Cardinals, or the, uh, not the Cardinals, the Carolina Panthers, yeah. and like was pretty good. And right. then I was like, this is really weird. Like He's not that good. And then he just like sucked ever since. And I was like, man, I should have, I, I like, I think I maybe had him. I feel like he, I, I, anyways, this is off to a new tangent, but like he was like valued fairly low for his production, but valued pretty high for his profile, if that makes sense. So it was, yeah. I was really like uh, conflicted because it was like, oh, look, he, he had like a 25% target share. And he's only like, a late first or an early second, then like, but actually he's probably not that good. I probably shouldn't be into that. But he had like twenty five percent target share. Like I just kind of want to be into, it, but I also don't. He was like, I felt like that, that was what it was going to be with Zay Jones this year. It was like, well, he's actually not good, but he's not priced like he's good, and he was kind of good. So maybe I'm into. And then Calvin Ridley ruined it all. And yeah. by the way, by Calvin Ridley, everyone like I imagine we're going to do one of these uh, episodes on. Yeah on uh, wide receivers that we both agree on. And it's, it's going to be Calvin. I'm so excited for the Jacksonville Jaguars next year, man. I think Trevor Lawrence is so awesome. The fact that he got what he got out of Zay Jones and Marvin Jones, those two outside wide receivers this year. I mean, we're, we're leveling up. I want them to trade for T Higgins, by the way. That's what I want. I want T Higgins, Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk and Travis Etienne. He gets back. We get the college teammate narrative with T Higgins and Travis Etienne. We get the Clemson offense. Plus oh Ridley. That would be incredible. 40 points a game. Let's go. They're they're the top offense in the league. Goodbye, Patrick Mahomes. It's over. We have a new GOAT already. Who do you think Higgins is going to go to really quick? Really quick. The Cincinnati Bengals. You think he's going to stay? Yeah. I'm really perplexed by these trade rumors because I'm like, I don't really know where they're coming from. Like he's not up to he's not up for restructure or uh he's up for an extension. 
Hey. Well, I think what I think he's up for an extension, but here, I mean, here's the thing. Next I think, year, what, I think, no, he can be extended this year, but he doesn't have to be. He's still under contract this year. He, he doesn't have to be. No. So what I think is they let him play out the contract this year and, you know, maybe he'll hold out, but I don't think he'll hold out. And so I think that they, they just let him play out this year. Next year is when they have to deal with chase. Um, they'll probably extend burrow, uh, this year, maybe, or, or I guess, no, they sell the fifth year option. So I think that they'll, they'll just, let them play with this contract this year. And then if they have to trade them, they'll trade them next year. You know, they'll, they'll franchise and trade them, right? But to me, it's like, why, why why lose one more year of having Burrow, Higgins, and Chase? So you don't actually need to yet, you know? Yeah, that's, that's exactly like, just, I Just like, enjoy this year while you still have it and then deal with it. And, like, even still, like, even after that, like, Chase is still on a rookie contract. Like, I would, I would franchise him again until you need to give Chase the big, big money. And, yeah. uh... And then at that point, like, sure, draft another wide receiver in the interim so that you have backfilling for the inevitable T. Higgins contract they, you can't afford. They can save money this year. They can cut Boyd, save some money. They can cut Mixon and save some money. Yeah, I got to imagine Mixon's getting caught. Get out of here, bro. He, I mean, he, he got out of snap by Samaj P. Ryan in the playoff games. Yeah. Yeah, so. they got to cut Mixon. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Okay. You've, you've taken our one-hour show to one hour and 40 minutes. It is now several moments past 11. We are eternally irate with all roommates, roommates of the world. True. They're the worst. Anyway, okay. we, don't, we don't actually dislike your roommate. I'm sure she's Bye, very everybody. Good. Bye, everybody. Until next time. Until next time. Yeah. <laughs>